In today's gospel from Mark chapter 1, Jesus calls four men to become his disciples and follow him during very troubled times in the ancient world. They were all fishermen and they're all living out their daily, ordinary lives and jobs when they get the call to become disciples. In calling them, Jesus means to create his church and change the world through them. God's intentions remain the same today for us, for you, for me. God is calling us from our own daily lives and jobs to become his disciples. And calling us, Jesus means to renew and restore his church and to change the world through us. So here's my question. Is this possible? Is this possible for us to become disciples rather than just pew sitters? And is it possible for us to make a difference in the world? The answer? Yes. Absolutely yes. We only need to look at the countless men and women, starting with these four men in today's gospel, Look at the countless men and women across the generations of centuries before us who also lived in times of chaos in the world and corresponding decline and confusion among Christians and in the church to know that this is more than possible. In fact, today is the feast day of St. Francis de Sales, the patron saint of our parish. He lived in a very turbulent and troubled time, much like our own today. He was born into 16th century France during the time of the Protestant Revolution or Reformation, whatever you call it, when many, many, many people left the practice of their Catholic faith and either went into the newly formed Protestant churches or with the rise of the age of humanism to a life of no religion. The fracturing within Christianity was only one aspect of a much larger division within human society. As society moved away from God, there was the rise of political divisions, wars among nations, civil wars within nations, more pronounced differences in intolerance among peoples and the lack of civility and the increase of fear and anxiety about the future. Does any of this sound familiar to you today? The list of the similarities between then and now are many. Nothing new under the sun. It was into this dark time that St. Francis de Sales was born, raised, and responded to God's call to become Christ's disciples. Ultimately, he was sent to be the bishop of Geneva in Switzerland, which was the seedbed of Calvinism. Calvin was one of the main architects of the Protestant Reformation. And Geneva had become the most anti-Catholic city in Europe at the time. And a city 
that was under the tyranny of a civil government that today we would refer to as Big Brother. St. Francis's response as a leader of God's people was to help them put first things first. To get back to the basics, the fundamentals. Put God first. And the love of God be above everything else, no matter the state of our world. And then they would be capable of not only loving other people, but converting them. By the time he became Bishop of Geneva, Geneva, which was totally Catholic about 60 or 70 years before that, was almost now totally Protestant. And he had gone through, by the time he was bishop, about two generations of people who had left the faith, either entirely or for other churches. During his time as bishop of Geneva, tens of thousands of people passionately converted to Catholicism and lived their lives passionately as Christians for Christ, Catholic and Protestant, and for the good of their fellow citizens. Therefore, I thought as a way to honor our parish patron saint today on his feast day and to provide something of a spiritual roadmap for all of us and how to navigate our way through these dark times in our church and our world as we respond to God's calling to us to be his disciples here and now, I'd like to provide uh, some of the wisdom of St. Francis de Sales. Taking from some of his writings, he was a pro prolific writer, taking from some of his writings this, these little nuggets, these treasures of, of practical and spiritual wisdom. To take the wisdom from the saintly father of our parish. And then let us remember and never forget that it is possible to change the state of our society if only we first allow Christ to change us as we follow him into discipleship. So here's what I want to propose to do. Close your eyes, everyone close your eyes. I mean, if that's the best way to, for you to really listen, if it's not, you can keep your eyes open. Both that are here and those who are on our live stream, just go ahead and close your eyes. And what I'm gonna do is do this in two parts, each one. I'm gonna first give the quote, and then just a brief pause, so you know that's the end of the quote, and then a brief comment to help support this quote, um, uh, these, these things I pulled from St. Francis's writings. So here we go. Number one, love. To live according to the Spirit is to love according to the Spirit. When we first live, when we live first according to the ways of God, then it is possible to love other people the way they deserve to love them with God's love rather than our own wounded human love in our divided state in our society today. Number two, doing God's will. There are no galley slaves, slaves in the royal vessel of divine love. Every man works his oar voluntarily. Let's stop doing Christianity out of duty or fear or family tradition or guilt or reward. 
or avoiding it out of laziness or comfort-seeking or peer pressure or what's going on in our culture and start doing it voluntarily out of love. Number three, reputation. Reputation is rarely proportioned to virtue. If we are always concerned about our reputation, we will never grow in virtue. And our society will never benefit from our Christian virtue. Number four, busyness in prayer. Half an hour's meditation each day is essential, except when you are busy. Then a full hour is needed. It is when we think that we are too busy to pray that we need to pray even more. Number five, patience. Have patience with all things, but first of all, with yourself. If we can't be patient with ourselves, how can we ever be patient with God, who is infinitely more patient with us? And then when we are patient with ourselves, we can learn to be patient with God, and he can teach us to be infinitely more patient with other people. Number six, balance. Salt and sugar are both excellent things, but too much of either spoils the dish. Too much self-indulging or too much self-discipline have one thing in common, too much. Living to extremes, either extreme, generally does little to promote lasting health, happiness, or holiness. Number seven, speech. If we say less than we should, it is easy to add. But having said too much, it is hard to take back. Man, could we all gain from this wisdom in today's world where everyone has an opinion and freely shares it and often. Number eight, devotion. Genuine devotion is consistent with every state of life. Like liquid poured into a container, it adapts itself in any shape. Devotion is that spirit that inspires us to love God, ourselves, and one another in a lively, enthusiastic, and energetic manner. If we are devoted to God, we can be devoted to a lively way with other people as we heal divisions with people who are not of our same persuasion, rather than continue to add fuel to the fire. Number nine, discernment. If the ecstasy of love be more beautiful than the good, more bright than warm, more speculative than affective, it is deserving of suspicion. In other words, we know that when God sends inspirations into a person's heart, he wants to motivate them to do something, one of the first inspirations he sends before what he's going to send is that of obedience. Put it this way, if, we all, if our, our love for all things we love is more than our love for the good, the good of God's will, 
the good of our soul and the good of others, something is wrong. Number 10, fear and anxiety. Let the world turn upside down. Let everything be in darkness and smoke and uproar. God is with us. Indeed, God is with us, no matter what is going on in the world. The goal is not the world. The goal is God. When we forget this, fear and anxiety overtake us. Number 11, friendship. What is there to be loved and desired if friendship is not? Let me interpret this one through Sirach 6, 14 through 16, that says this about friendship. A faithful friend is a sturdy shelter. The one who finds one finds a treasure. A faithful friend is beyond price. No sum can balance its worth. A faithful friend is a life-saving remedy, such as one who fears God finds. Good, solid, faithful, godly friendships are at the center of all that we are trying to do here at St. Francis de Sales and growing multiple opportunities for spiritual gets, get, uh, uh, growth, for social uh, getting together, and for outreach to people who are in need so that we have friends to accompany us on our discipleship journey. Number 12, gentleness. Just as humility perfects us with respect to God, gentleness perfects us with respect to our neighbor. If we can humble ourselves and recognize our need for God, then we are far more able to be gentle with other people. If we are not, not gentle with other people, we need to check our humility before God. Number 13. Judging. The busyness of finding fault is very easy. The busyness of doing better is very difficult. When we actually are advancing in the spiritual life, a good way to know that is that we're actually advancing and being far less judgmental, precisely because we experience how merciful God is to us as sinners. If we're struggling with judging others, it's a good indication we're not advancing in the spiritual life. Perfectionism. We must take all the care that God wishes us to take about perfecting ourselves and yet leave the care of arriving at perfection entirely to God. One of the problems of perfectionism is we rely too much upon ourselves and not enough upon God. Number 15, worrying about what others think. Those who run best in the race do not think of the crowd that is looking at them. We spend far too much energy worrying about what others think of us as individuals, as Christians, and not enough simply living and doing the Christian life, despite what they think of us. Number 16, suffering. The truly loving heart loves God's good pleasure, 
not in consolations only, but also in afflictions. One of the most fatal mistakes that we make about God as Christians is to think that if we follow God, if I follow God, then my life should not know suffering, loss, injustices, wrongs, and so on. God never promised this in this life. Rather, he promised that he would use all of these imperfections of living in a fallen world if we allow him to prepare us for the life of heaven. And finally, number 17, living in the world. You must choose. Is it better that there should be thorns in your garden in order for you to have roses, or that there should be no roses in your garden in order to not have thorns? As Christians living in these difficult times, such as today, as in the day of the four apostles we just heard about and of our patron saint, St. Francis de Sales, we must recover our sanity and remember that discipleship is filled with roses and thorns, which both contribute to increasing our love for God, our compassion for our neighbor, the salvation of our souls, and the crown of victory in the eternal life in heaven. So like the four apostles in today's gospel, who were called from their own individual states of life in a troubled world to help Christ create his church and change the world, let us respond with a similar charity and generosity and hope and strength and courage as Christ calls us to renew and restore his church and transform the world around us. St. Francis de Sales, pray for us.